0: Well, I appreciate you all being here this afternoon. I, uh, I know this is a really niche topic, so I made 10 copies. And I was erring I was on the side of generosity. Uh, so I'll hand some of those out here in just a bit. But my thing on this is if it just helps one church develop itself better, then I feel like it's been successful. And uh, of course, I'm appreciative of the lectures taping the sessions and hopefully. This will be something that some folks can also snag later. I'm going to hand out copies in just a bit. I want to go through some of the introductory pieces first. My name is Greg Anderson. I'm at the A&M Church of Christ in uh, beautiful College Station, Texas. And so we've been there a little over three uh, years, about three years and five months, actually. And um, I was in ministry for 20 years, and then I was in business for 10 years. Uh, and did a lot of work in local government, and a lot of consulting in local government, there's a lot of similarities in local government Mm -hmm. and church work, Uh, board driven, budget driven, uh, you know, uh, people, everybody has an opinion. (laughs) So a lot of the same kind of things that you get in the church world, you get in the local government world. But in my time there, I spent a lot of time with HR directors and so came across some materials that I ultimately created this hybrid approach to staff development And so that's what we're gonna spend our time uh, looking at this afternoon. Um, I uh, did my dissertation on long-tenured youth ministers, leadership traits of long-tenured youth ministers in Churches of Christ, and so I studied youth ministers that have been at the same church for at least 10 consecutive years. And one of the questions that I posed in my research was, how do your elders um, quantify your leadership effectiveness? And it was quite fascinating, out of my 16 subjects that I studied in this qualitative study, only two of those 16 had uh, standing evaluation processes. Everybody else was either a moving target or no development evaluation at all. Um, And so I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe that's why we lose youth ministers once every two years, right, in a lot of churches. Uh, so anyway, uh, a, little bit of, a little bit more information where we're going. This is usually set up to last as a half-day seminar. So I'm going to give you a lot of information. Uh, and so when you see things like this, it describes kind of what happens the first couple of hours, what would happen in the last couple of hours. Usually it takes about four to six hours to unpack this with an eldership and with a staff. Okay, And I'm happy to send you guys this slide deck. Uh, I just need your email address, and I'll, I'll be happy to send it to you. Um, We are refining this material all the time, so if you've got some feedback, even from our time together today, that would be great. Um, We want to live into the following outcomes. First, is a comprehensive framework for staff development. And when I say comprehensive, that's kind of a scary word, But, but it really is, A to Z, an overarching way to not just figure out, are we doing the right things, but are we doing the right things for the right reasons? Are we living into our church's mission and vision? And if so, do we have the right staff members doing the right things at the right time to help us live into that vision and live into that mission? So we talk about core critical and sp- uh, position-specific competencies. I'll explain that in detail here in just a bit. Uh, participants set clear expectations related to their personal and their professional development. So instead of a minister going to the elders and saying, "I really I, th- I think it would be kind of cool to go to a seminar." It's like, okay, what do you wanna do this year that will help you um, develop yourself professionally so that that development uh, is parallel to or feeds into our vision and our mission. So we're living much more purposefully once we get this figured out. And then we also talk about uh, clear expectations, strategic dialogue with each other for the purpose of creating an aligned future. And so elders and staff work on this together and the organizations that I've used it with so far, uh, the feedback seems to be really positive. I do think there is a biblical foundation uh, for leadership accountability. I think scripture is very clear on that. Uh, Paul writes quite a bit to leaders and he goes from city to city talking to and developing leaders and preparing them for the future that is coming down the pipeline. So here are just a few examples. Uh, of some stewardship, some accountability, some purpose uh, when it comes to leadership and leadership development. Uh, I also think it, it helps us understand the holistic development of staff. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Risa uh, Higgins, and she gave me permission to use this, of uh, kind of how from her spiritual coaching and her perspective, uh, she really tries to develop the whole person. And so these are just some of the characteristics. This is really... Uh, aligns organizations for emotional health and individuals within those organizations for emotional health. There's also intellectual health. Uh, How do we think? What do we learn? What are we teaching in our churches? What are we we reading and and why? Um, Prayer rhythms, connections, rest, surrender. I'm not going to read all of these. I just want to let some of these pop uh, so that you can see that all of the things that we do uh, in this particular workshop all feeds into this idea of being formed into the image of Jesus so some rhythms of staff development so the process has to have a champion if you pull out from the dock with st- staff development and no one is championing it it will die within less than the first year and I've talked to multiple churches that have said yeah we've tried three or four different ways to figure out staff development and we can't seem to find anything that works My hunch is you can't seem to find anyone who works (laughs) to make sure that you do staff evaluation. That's my hunch. Uh, So that's absolutely critical. And it can be a staff person that takes responsibility for this. In our context, I'm the staff person that's responsible. So every six months is when we come back and cycle around our staff development conversations. And the reason we do it every six months versus annually is we can look back over the previous six months And then we can also look forward to the upcoming six months. And that's a much better frequency, a much better rhythm, at least as far as I've discovered, uh, when it comes to staff development. Uh, We talk about the competencies that leaders are mastering. And by the way, a competency model is just a model. It is not the model. There are tons of models out there. I just like the competency model because it seems to make sense uh, when you think about aligning those competencies that you need in your church with the outcomes that you desire. And then a question is, how can we equip our leaders for long-term success? I hope when you hired your ministry staff, you wanted them to be there for a long time, right? And so if we don't have developmental strategies in place, then if you get to a place where ministers start to flounder or they start to guess, I hope I'm doing the right thing, or the only feedback you get for that success is anecdotal, uh, if everybody's happy, then the elders are happy, and if people start to get unhappy, then we're not happy. That's really not, it, you create a moving target dynamic, and that's where a lot of staffs and, quite frankly, a lot of churches get into uh, trouble. You can develop your own rating instrument, or you can uh, go with the one that, that uh, Interim Ministry Partners uh, provides, um, and I'll, I'll pass those out here in just a second and let you look into the template that, that we have worked on and encourage organizations to live into. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between core critical and position specific competencies. And by the way, I love this stuff. <laughs> Not everybody does, uh, but I just get so jazzed when I, when I, when I like, live into this because it helps people. If we do it well, it helps us live into more than just uh, anecdotal evidence. So a competency refers to an area of personal capability uh, that enables employees to successfully perform jobs by by achieving outcomes or by accomplishing tasks, okay? Uh, this is, this is, uh, these are quoted definitions. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Raymond Noe, who is uh, in the adult education world and the employee development world, uh, one of the, one of the tops uh, a competency can be a knowledge, uh, knowledge, skills, attitudes, values, personal characteristics, etc. You can see some of the other pieces here that play into that. Paul writes in Romans 12 too, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so it seems to me to make good sense to put processes in place that position us to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, whether that's spiritual disciplines that we're practicing or even just some practical Tools that we put into one another's toolboxes as uh, ministers and elders uh, for the glory of God and for the leadership of the church. So, there there are two primary components when we look at this particular model, this competency model. Uh, First is to help leaders identify necessary competencies required to move their particular church's vision and mission and values forward. So, you develop a vision, you develop a mission what does it take to live into it? And if you don't know what that is, then you don't know the competencies that are required to help your organization live that out. And so if we guess, we may get it right, we may get it wrong, okay? So this work helps us to identify what those competencies are. And it also positions the staff to grow in the identified competencies in order to lead in a manner that's fully aligned with your vision and your mission and uh, your values. It is not designed as a punitive instrument and and it's also not designed to to talk about raises, okay? This is about development. Now, if it leads to that, that's a side conversation, that's fantastic, but that's not the purpose of this evaluation uh, tool. So when we think about staff development, basically there are three primary movements that I encourage church leaders to focus on. uh, Development planning. And so if we were to do this in workshop form, that's what we would spend the bulk of our time doing. And then assessing staff and self-assessment. And I'll give you that piece of paper here in just a sec. And then a formal development conversation. And as I said earlier, in our case, that takes place every six months. The formal conversation does. All of this is... um, Uh, surrounds ongoing coaching and feedback. So we don't just have a conversation once every six months, right? Uh, I meet with our elder chair probably about once every two weeks. I meet with all of the elders once per month, but I have ongoing conversations all the time. And uh, that's just that constant uh, coaching and feedback. So in the context of development planning, here are some of the things that we would cover. And for those of you who came in just a little bit late, I'm happy to share this slide deck with you. Uh, so please don't feel like you have to, to get every single note down. I'm happy to send it your way. I'll just need an email address. So we talk about the big picture. We want to create a sense of context. Because if you don't really know if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you get into that guessing game, it is so energy draining. You're, you're just, man, I just hope I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> and it just sucks the life out of you. Um, we'll talk about shared competencies and then sharing objectives and, and goals, and so this is kind of what this would look like in the context of an organization that we've actually done this with. So I did some work uh, a couple years back with Mission Resource Network, and Dan Bouchelle said, absolutely, use our stuff anytime you talk about this. We're happy for you to kind of tell folks how this worked with our organization. So, so this is their mission statement. In Submission to the Lord, we are a global network equipping the body of Christ to steward the mission of God. And they have four strategies to help develop churches, vision strategically, equip for missions, plant churches worldwide, and nurture missionaries. So if you are gonna hire individuals who can vision strategically and be equippers and plant churches and then come alongside and nurture missionaries, What characteristics would you want those people to have, those employees of your organization to have? What competencies would you want them to have? Just name one or two. Low-hanging fruit, go for it. What would it be? Highly relation. You gotta have somebody who's relational. Absolutely, not somebody who's gonna sit in a corner and not engage with people, so that would be an example of a competency. We need someone who's highly relational. Can you think of some one other thing? So. Got to have somebody who's who knows Scripture, right? And he's able to understand how Scripture needs to be um, needs to be not only taught but lived out behaviorally, right? Especially if they're out in the mission field, and so. That's what we talk about when we say we know the types of individuals that we're looking for, but what competencies did they have to possess? And how do they continue to sharpen those competencies as they grow? So this is a sample list that we brainstormed with Mission Resource Network. um, And to think about these are the types of individuals that we need in our organization to help us live into our mission people who are people-focused, they have to be adept at internal and external communication, self-management because you're by yourself a lot of the time, you're traveling by yourself a lot of the time, uh, even on foreign soil occasionally, good problem solvers, someone who is accountable, teamwork was also a characteristic that surfaced because they spend a lot of time together, and then also continuous learning. So those were the ones that surfaced in their particular context. And there's some assumptions regarding core critical competencies. And so, for example, we assume that people are pursuing Jesus. We presume that they're pursuing personal spiritual growth and they're pursuing Bible knowledge. Jay Jarbo, who is with MRN, said, yeah, I'm not so sure I would make those assumptions. (laughs) Okay, but I'm going to give some folks the benefit of the doubt, right? and hope that these are things that we are pursuing. And so the other core competencies that I just showed you, those are a little bit more um, um, quantifiable, hopefully, when we have our conversations to see if we're actually making progress in these areas or not. These are probably quantifiable as well by their fruit. We will know them right. Uh, So just something something to think about, but also much more qualitative. So let me pass out something for you to take a look at. And uh, these are color-coded, but I have to confess to you, I decided to go cheap on the first set. I'll give you the color set on the second one. Uh, But uh, I'll show you the colors here in just a sec. But you're going to notice the language on these handouts is a little bit different than what's in the slide deck. And it's because, as I've worked with various groups, we've adopted the language somewhat. So what you've got in your hand actually is a copy of what's here, uh, what's on screen. And so loosely the definitions will mirror each other. And so we have competencies such as people focus. This will be an example of a definition of people focus. And so what I did, I went in with MRN and we sat down and we identified their core critical competencies. Every employee needs to be able to master these competencies to help us move our mission and our vision forward. So the definition that we co-crafted is Shows interest in and understanding of the needs, expectations, and circumstances of our key stakeholders. Is responsive, professional, easy to work with. Takes personal responsibility for resolving ministry and services delivery related issues. Okay? So that was the definition that we co crafted. We did the same thing with all of the other competencies that you see on your handout. So I'm not gonna read all of these to you. That would obviously uh, take a little bit longer, but you see communication that appear on screen, internal and external, what that looks like. We even drill down into uses correct vocabulary, grammar, sentence structure. <laughs> so that's where you can get into quite a bit of the, um, the quantitative aspect of these competencies. Self-management, we talked about punctuality, reliability, Problem solving shows insight into the root causes of problems, generates a range of solutions. And so you see how important this is to not just say we need someone around here who's a good problem solver. We went ahead and did the hard work of defining what problem solving looks like lived out behaviorally in the context of the job. Okay, it's it's kind of hard work on the front end, but it is so worth it because the employee knows now what the expectations are and knows what he or she is being asked to master. Accountability definitions, teamwork definitions, as I said, I'm happy to send you this slide deck and uh, you can plumb the depths of that uh, when you get that uh, in hand if you would like to have it. So those are the core critical competencies. So if MRN or any organization for that matter, let's just say they have 10 employees, All 10 employees are expected to master those competencies as they grow in the organization. Are you with me so far? Everybody's on the same page. All employees are trying to row in the same direction. We're all trying to grow in these areas. This is not a forever list. Uh, It can change as the needs of the organization uh, changes or as the needs of the organization change. So here's a list, though, of position-specific competencies. So let's, let's talk in, in terms of your church. Your youth minister might not need to have the same competency set as your preaching minister. Your children's minister might need to have a unique competency set. And so although all of them are going to need shared core competencies... To move the mission and vision forward there are going to be some things in their respective ministries that they're going to have to master and so it could be that your, your your youth minister needs to have the competency of managing volunteers okay it could be that your senior minister is more of a strategic person and may not necessarily need to be able to manage volunteers well maybe He just needs an administrative assistant who's really, really good at managing volunteers. And his space needs to be freed up more for strategic thinking. Are you with me so far? Okay. Teaching could be something that's very important to one of your staff persons, but perhaps not to uh, another. And you see the others that are listed there. So let me give you a couple of examples of what this looks like. Um, Or uh, Let me differentiate the difference and then we'll we'll take a look here in just a second what those look like. So these provide the process by providing clear expectations. And here's a mantra I learned years ago, clear expectations equals clearer commitment. Uh, The alternative is also true. Fuzzy expectations equals fuzzy commitment. (laughs) So if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, it is hard to commit to your job harder, I think. Um, These these competencies guide ongoing feedback and coaching conversations and they provide some standards by which staff members can assess their own development, okay? And this is actually through their own input and through the input of others because this is a co-discovery process. So the competencies create a lens, kind of helps us sharpen our vision, when we assess staff development in alignment with vision and mission, and I think they, they really paved the way for organizational continuity because we're having this conversation at a minimum every six months. We're always looking back. We're always looking ahead. We're always looking back. Always looking ahead. Okay? So that's the first section uh, on development planning. If we were in a workshop environment, it would have taken us about two hours to do that. Okay? because I would have broken you out into individual groups and had you identify the core competencies that are necessary for you as an organization to move your mission and vision forward. If you don't know your mission and vision, then we would stop the workshop and we would figure that out, (laughs) okay? And then move on to competencies a little bit later. So the second piece of this is assessing uh, staff and then also putting people in a place of some self assessment. So the first is really about what are the needs of the organization, what competencies do we require, and then the second piece is how does uh, staff assessment, uh, how does assessing staff, self-assessment and staff assessment, one to uh, -to peer-to-peer, how does it help us move to the next place? And so that gets, we get familiar with customizing the forms in the mission resource context for their specific application, providing a development vocabulary, and then looking uh, back and looking forward and so again, all of this is reflecting our vision, our mission, and our values. So let's talk a little bit about the forms. Um, so you have the uh, competency development standards. That's the one that I just gave you, and you probably have already kind of kind of glanced through it. We'll dig a little bit deeper on that shortly. But what we're looking about here is common vocabulary for development. All right? We're all we're all creating the same vocabulary. One of the things that this can be a huge blessing. One of the ways this can be a big blessing for your church too is if you bring new elders into the leadership, you already have standards that exist. And so it's so much easier to bring them up to speed with the competencies that you're asking your staff to live into. And this can be really tricky depending on which sector leaders have come out of, right? Because in some business backgrounds, our elders have had performance evaluation booklets that are that thick, and some have their entire professional careers have just anecdotally evaluated their people, okay? So we kind of can be all over the board with that. Uh, so here's a, a grid uh, on page one that you're, that you're seeing in your notes, and as I said earlier, these would be color-coded, so I'm sorry you get the black and white version, but you'll get the color version next. So I use kind of a stoplight approach, The only color I couldn't find was purple. I don't think there is a stoplight in the world that has purple. So the first three are a stoplight and the last one we'll just say it's living into majestic bliss, okay? (laughs) So um, the the top level is a red light. And this is not an easy conversation to have with an employee because this means that there's some behaviors that are going on that we've, we've, we've gotta stop. We gotta pump the brakes here. This is just not working. And so I do want to read this and just follow along on screen with me, if you will. Performance in the essential elements of the position is ineffective and it's unacceptable. Performance is below acceptable standards for quality, quantity, knowledge, initiative, independence of performance, dependability, teamwork. Performance errors are frequent, significant, and impact is detrimental. This is an employee that is in a lot of trouble, okay? However, you're gonna notice this is the overall rating criteria. On each of the standards, the competencies that you have on the handouts that I gave you, we also have a definition that showcases specifically how performance is detrimental as it relates to that particular competency, okay? So we're not just, this is kind of broad brushstroke, but we also get into the fine tuning. And you can see the other definitions that are listed here. I'm not going to read those off the page. They get progressively better, okay? So yellow means uh, not, not 100%. You know, you're, you're doing okay on some things, but, but there's some areas for improvement. Uh, green is, is quite honestly where we want to be. This is what we ask you to do, and this is what you're delivering. Keep up the good work. Okay. If we move to the very last and, and you've got a, an employee that is just so exceeding his or her uh, competencies and they are doing so unbelievably well, then you actually need to think about getting them outside the organization so that they can begin mentoring others on how to do this. So this last one here is really kingdom focused. OK, and uh, if someone's knocking it out of the, the park, on a particular competency, give them some bandwidth to go train others on how to do that, okay? As long as it doesn't push them <laughs> back up here because they're eating up all of their time helping helping others out. Okay, is this making sense? Is this kind of stating how this, how this works, okay? Uh, and by the way, all of this language is negotiated. So I, I don't come into an organization and superimpose this language. This was all co-discovered in the organizations that I work with. We identify the competency first and then we define what unacceptable all the way up to mentoring type outside the organization behavior looks like. Okay, So uh, please keep that in mind as well. So uh, if we were in a workshop uh, setting, uh, we would take 20-25 minutes and we would go through these questions. Are these competencies appropriate? Uh, for our staff based on our vision and our mission, what changes do we recommend and then uh, we push the position specific uh, competencies down the road just a little bit. okay I know this is like drinking from a fire hydrant uh, but I'm trying to give you a half a day in a- about an hour but I do want to stop. What questions do you have if any at this point? Are these kind of what you're using with your with your? your staff yes okay. yeah yeah absolutely yeah and there was a lot of resistance at the beginning because i was in an environment where there was really no staff leadership for about 20 years uh, in any type of leadership where there was a lot of accountability and quite frankly wasn't really highly needed because everybody did a pretty good job uh but yeah there, there's some resistance i guess that's my question and i don't know if it's in this section or later is how did you how did you make a shift? How did, mm-hmm. you, create, how did you create the culture shift from yep. resistance to acceptance? Yeah, the, I, the key word for me is collaboration, that it's not something that's superimposed on the staff. It's a, it's a co-discovery journey that we do this together. And how long did that take? Um, uh, yeah, it took about six, six to eight months. So, so, how yeah. big is staff, more or less? Uh, we have about seven. We have seven, seven. staff members, seven. yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it, because really you have to go through that first iteration before people really get it. So that first six months... And then, when you get to that period it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Uh, thinking uh, the middle, middle piece that goes beyond expectations in the middle, Present, uh, persistent in satisfying the service needs of staff, guests, and uh, members. Um, the uh, staffer is collecting. Information as the six months goes along and says, you know, I did this, this, and this. And How can you, you can't stay along with them and notice all that stuff. That's exactly right. So uh, there's some kind of tool that goes with this. Is there yes, a, yeah, I'll show you that here in just a sec. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, though, great question. Let's go a little bit farther and see if we if we hit some of the other uh, questions. It may be surfing, surfacing in your mind. So we move to the formal development conversation, which is this next piece I'll share with you. And by the way, every single, every single part of this is just bathed in prayer. You know, it's not like we're coming in and dropping some corporate model onto church. It's just healthy dialogue and uh, really trying to identify those competencies that, that do allow us to say, okay, it's what I'm doing helping or inadvertently is what I'm doing hurting uh, our vision and our mission. And it's not always easy to know that. So in this particular section, this last section, we compare thoughts. We try to th- talk about what it means to master a competency. How do we celebrate wins? How do we identify growth opportunities? And then what, is, uh, what, what lies ahead for us? So this next piece I want to hand uh, out to you is called the Actual Staff Development Conversation Guide. And uh, this is uh, the one that is color coded, so thank you. Thanks, just take one of those and pass them around. And so there's basically two purposes here to this particular guide. Uh, one being the uh, staff person completes his or her own guide. And then the, the appointed uh, coach, if that is one shepherd, if it is two or three shepherds, uh, if you're setting this up uh, as a 360 review and staff is evaluating staff, Go through a couple of iterations and kind of find a rhythm that works and makes sense for your particular team. Um, But the other individuals, whoever those folks are, uh, will also fill one of these forms out. And so at the top, you'll notice that if I send you uh, the, the Word version of this, as you type into the fields, these expand as you go, which makes it really nice. Uh, because you can type as you start talking about accomplishments. And I've just got six months up here, looking back six months, looking ahead six months. So if we're sitting here in July, then we would be looking back to January through June. So hey, here's some of the things that we saw this year, this past six months, that really helped us feel like that you're really doing what we've asked you to do and living into those competencies that we identify, okay? Um, Here's just a handful of things that we would encourage you to think about, you know? Uh, So what would be something, let's just pick something that's kind of nebulous like time management, right? Kind of nebulous. Uh, And so that's one of the competencies that are very important. It's very important for you and your staff persons. And you might be able to say, hey, you know, we we really encouraged you to uh, take uh, some Sabbath time and and uh, we, we're so appreciative that you held firm on that and that you didn't use that time to work or take other appointments somewhere or you just really, really used it to restore and renew. That's awesome. But we do want to ask you to improve on, though. We want to make sure that you're, you're spending quality time with your family. We've noticed there's been a couple of times that, um, you know, you didn't you didn't take advantage of uh, some vacation time that you were due. And so we really wanna make sure that you do that. Okay. So that would be one example of how we're writing this type of feedback. And I'll show you some more examples here in just a second of how we can get even more specific. So the process is repeated for each of these core competencies. And you can see that we're working through each one. In all of those fields, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this just looks so lengthy. (laughs) It's actually really not. You're not writing an encyclopedia, right? You're just writing some coaching tips, uh, some feedback that's based on what you're you're observing. Uh, The coach, the mentor, uh, uses the rating system uh, as a metric for gauging mastery of these critical competencies, and you're also looking for some areas where there can be improvement. Staff members self-rates for the same purpose. We have to avoid the dynamic of, hey, fill this out for me, I'm good to go with wherever you think you are, okay? Because that's not a developmental conversation. That's just being lazy. Uh, if we really, really want to do this, we've got to think through what, what are we seeing, what are we experiencing that helps us understand if we're moving in the right direction, if, if we're growing our people versus wearing our people out. Uh, so we would go through at this particular point of a seminar on how to um, um, are, are the ones that we've developed for sp- position-specific competencies. If you'll look at the very back of the handout that I just gave you. I'm sorry, page. Just flip it over one page. At the bottom of page two, you're going <coughs> to see position-specific competencies. And so here's one example of project management was identified as a specific competency that, that an employee may be asked to uh, master. And so all of your employees may not need uh, project management skills, but your lead minister might uh, or your youth minister might. Uh, if you'll flip over to the next page, you'll see a position specific competency there is teaching or equipping others to teach. Um, your, um, <laughs> I can't really think of a staff person that wouldn't need that position-specific competency, um, but uh, your minister of audiovisual <laughs> might not need to be able to teach that skill, uh, but your, your teaching minister, your youth minister, probably is going to need to be able to do that uh, well. And so uh, sh- how should we define these? This is where we get into asking individual staff persons to really, really take some time to hammer this out and uh, to help understand, particular to their ministry, what are some competencies as they require. Um, and then we use some time for people to coach and to, to, to uh, bat this back and forth until they get it where they want it. It's something that's very important, again, I don't want to come in and superimpose on an organization their competencies because those are my competencies. The organization needs to decide what, uh, what skill sets its employees need to have. Um, so there's a dialogue box at the, at the, at the bottom of um, page three, uh, one, two, three, called Job Objectives and um, these basically are um, something that we use to identify those those key job objectives some very essential for to people uh, completing their completing their jobs um, so it could be that in the context of a project uh, management um, uh, competency that someone also needs to be able to particularly manage one special event. So maybe your church does a big silent auction every year. Or maybe you have a Missions Sunday where you're trying to raise, you know, I don't know, $200,000 on a single Sunday. Whatever it is. Um, it could be that you use the job objectives to really, really drill down on that particular execution of that particular event. Okay. And so it can create a good audit trail of what was done well, what was not done well. Um, and again, this is, it's, it's a lot of work, but I am telling you, if you commit to it, it is worth it. A task-oriented example is answering the phone. And so, you know, if you have ministry staff, when people call the church office and their answer is, what, uh, that's probably not good, Right. Uh, and so it could be that we get into some need for some training, some uh, just <laughs> customer service training, for back of a, lack of a better term, on how to answer the phone uh, effectively. And so job descriptions change over time, but uh, these changes are often informally agreed on. And so this section allows uh, you to analyze if the job objectives are current and it prepares staff for future Uh, projects, special projects, new tasks, if you're going to move your mission and vision forward. And uh, so I I don't know how many churches I've been to when I've asked, so may I see copies of your job description? And I, I can't begin to tell you how many times ministers look at each other and say, I have a job description. Okay. So if you don't have job descriptions, this process can help you create them. If you do have job descriptions, this process can help you live into them. And make sure that you're doing that well. So this shows you an example of what the job descriptions look like. And again, these uh, forms expand as you fill them out. You can check just a simple rating over here. And one of the things that I love about the collaborative nature of this conversation is the ministry staff helps the elders figure this out. They help craft their own narrative that they're trying to live into And so if you get to a place where, let's say you're a yellow on one particular um, competency. Yeah, it's going to be disappointing. But yeah, it's also going to be, I know you have my future at heart. And I know I'm not being attacked. I understand that I'm being coached. And so I, I want to do better. Thank you for loving me enough to help me and, and be that honest with me, okay? Uh, because I, I've also been in meetings where um, people have gotten fired for not doing their job, but the sad thing was what they were supposed to be doing is not even written down anywhere. And nobody even knows, a different group of elders hired this person, they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing, and so the anecdotal feedback comes back negative, and so now all of a sudden their job is in jeopardy. It could just be something as simple as some people in the church uh, just don't like this guy. Okay, so this helps circumvent some of that. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about job objectives and why these are so important. Uh, You can have a project-related objective, and that goes beyond the usual scope of job duties. We've asked you to handle this particular project for us. Uh, There can be task-oriented objectives and that's a responsibility. You have to be able to execute this task to do your job uh, well. Job objectives are based on job duties or responsibilities found on the job description. If you don't have a job description, please create one (laughs) for your staff persons. They need to know what it is they've been tasked with doing. Here's some ideal objectives, or uh, some, some ideal outcomes of projectives. They serve as objective basis for communicating about job performance. It enables staff to differentiate between acceptable and unacceptable desired outcomes. You actually can increase job satisfaction because they know if they're doing well. Uh, I don't know of anything that's more disheartening than when something is over, and nobody says a word. Well, I, I guess, I guess I did okay, maybe, possibly. Um, and it also encourages an open and trusting relationship with, with, with your team members, because we all are being evaluated for the same thing, okay? Even if it's position specific, it's still the same thing. We're all trying to move our vision forward. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. Uh, I'm not gonna spend time here. I just wanna put this up on screen. You probably have seen SMART goals before. But when you're creating goals for your organization, it is ideal for them to be specific and measurable and attainable and relevant and time bound. I just think this is a wonderful acrostic and um, I would encourage you to to consider this. You can Google smart goals and there's every possible thing you can imagine out there on how to write them. Uh, Thousands and thousands of articles on smart goals, but it's also time well spent. A formula that I've used quite often In organizations is, I'm asking you to do this so that we can achieve this by this time, if it's applicable, according to these expectations for this reason. And at first glance, that looks a little bit complicated, but actually, can you see the clarity that begins to surface when we start talking about specific expectations, you know, so many times, what are, what are the expectations of our preaching ministers? Well, preach good sermons and, and don't go too long. Okay? It's got to be a little bit better than that. A little bit better than that. And the more specific we can get, the better the outcomes will be. So I've walked you quickly through those three movements, all surrounding by ongoing coaching and feedback, every single step, bathe, and prayer A couple of more things, and then we'll wrap up this session. Uh, We talk about implementing some effective coaching strategies. So what does this look like beyond just the the conversation? How do we create feedback? And then uh, we talk about some processing questions that I'll I'll give you. Um, The every six-month dialogue, it's not only conversations that we have. They're not the only conversations that we have. Um, leaders are always assisting they're always coaching they're always coming alongside and and providing good positive feedback for staff Uh, and I think that practices the characteristics of servant leadership personally and I'm a huge servant leadership fan Uh, if you've done any uh, study of the work of Robert Greenleaf uh, uh, you, you know about servant leadership and if you don't I would encourage you to check it out Uh, These are the characteristics of servant leadership and the more these are modeled in our organization I think it just models the heart of Jesus Greenleaf was a believer Uh, He actually came from the Quaker faith Um, And uh, just really I I think I think this process helps us practice that well Uh, If we are effective in coaching these are some of the outcomes uh, I think we totally unlock someone's potential to really live it, live into their competencies well. And not only live into them well, but live into them confidently. Uh, I've heard ministers say things like, well, I know I'm only one bad sermon away from losing my job. How awful is that? How awful is that? Um, you know, we all need mercy. We all need grace. That includes ministers. But, but if we can help each other kind of identify where the boundaries are, Boy, it helps us do our job so much more confidently. Uh, it's more than learning, it's about learning how to learn. Trust is huge, as you can, as you can see, as we do this co-work together. And uh, mutual affinity, mutual respect makes for a powerful coach and coachy dynamic. And I just think, again, this conversation piece helps us do that. Um, here's some other characteristics about feedback. Um, it's, it's, it's freely exchanged in a safe and very constructive environment. we got to give it as soon as possible in relationship to events and tasks, etc. Again, I think that's why the six-month rhythm works better than the one-year rhythm. We get to December, and we talk about the thing that happened back in February, and it's like, what? I don't even remember what I did two days ago, let alone uh, ten months ago. Uh, we got to talk about specific behaviors and actions, not personal characteristics. I'll show you some examples here in just a second. And the best feedback is generally face to face. Uh, I do know of one church that actually fired its minister and sent the announcement out uh, at the time via the old phone tree technology. Hey church, just to let you know we fired our minister. Mm -hmm. Uh, Feedback should not include inferences, judgments, or labels. Let me show you some examples of that. So here's two examples back to back. On a weekly basis, Jim takes over 48 hours responding to emails from some of our key supporters. I am receiving feedback that the response time is frustrating them. Jim doesn't care about our supporters. Okay, so which which example is more effective? The first one is more effective because you're dealing with specific, quantifiable behaviors, okay? Here's another example. Sue consistently exhibits a pleasant demeanor and is willing to volunteer for extra tasks to make sure that work gets done on time. Sue is amazing. Okay, obviously the first one, right? Even if it's positive feedback, the more specific we can be, the better it is. Because it helps Sue understand what she's doing well. And quite frankly, it will inspire her to keep doing it. One more Jenny can type approximately 30 words per minute. I would like to see her speed increase to 40 words per minute within the next six months. Jenny is a snail, okay? So the first one is obviously the better one. Uh, But so much of the time in in, in the church, church world, we get the broad brushstroke, here's what I don't like type feedback. It's the anecdotal feedback. And often we decision, major decision, out of the anecdotal feedback. So there's some opportunities to identify some skill gaps, uh, to figure out where some training might be. If, if I have a staff person that's been at my church for five years and they're having a rough patch, the last thing I want to do is say, well, I, probably the best thing we could do is just get rid of them. What if we take six months and look ahead and say, okay, here are some competencies that we're asking you to master over the next six months. And we're going to help identify some tools that you might not have in your toolbox to help you get there, okay? Uh, versus sabotaging the person or just praying they decide to go somewhere else or calling up one of your friends at another church and telling them how awesome an employee they are and you should, they, they should consider them for the job opening that they have. Um, we also have written proof. If you give someone... Uh, six months to live into, and then they don't. You you actually have uh, an audit trail, okay? And although churches are somewhat immune, I'm telling you, it's important to have that and their personnel file or a copy somewhere that you did everything you could. You put your best foot forward, and still it just it just didn't work out. And then you also allow highly competent people uh, the opportunity to coach and mentor others. If they see and they're receiving good, solid coaching from you, then that just ultimately equips them to to equip others. And and there's some other things. If we had a lot more time, we would would process some other aspects of uh, detailed feedback. We're almost done, I promise, and then we'll uh, field some questions if you have any. Um, Here's some effective processing questions. And... It requires a high level of trust to be able to ask these questions. Uh, What are you going to do? When are you going to do it? What obstacles might you meet along the way? Who else is involved? Who needs to be in the communication loop? What support do you need? And how and when are you going to get that support? If you're an elder and you're taking a staff person to breakfast and you know you've got a big event coming up, these are fantastic questions to ask. Or if you've got a new ministry that you're getting ready to launch, these are fantastic questions to ask. If you're looking out at the next six months, (laughs) these are great questions to ask, okay? Um, A bad question to ask is, how are things going? Oh, man, we're doing great. Awesome. That's what I want to hear. Okay? Can't do a lot with that, especially if things start to go south. Uh, some additional questions that you may want to process. What other opportunities do you see? Are there any bottlenecks that uh, are prohibiting success? Any threats you've not processed? On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you can get the job done? Uh, what prevents you from saying 10? What am I not asking that I should? Okay. These are just great questions that can help you t- uh, till the soil of uh, conversation. Okay. I think that's the fastest I ever presented that information in my life. And I know it's so voluminous, but hopefully you can see that when we have this conversation, generally we have it in the context of a workshop, okay? So I've given you the nuts and bolts uh, overview, but to really plumb the depths of it, we need a good four to six hours with employees in the same room to do. So what are some questions that you have? What are some observations that you have? Um, so I'm in a senior minister model. Okay. Um, and so, kind of like you said, I mean, I'm the person responsible for doing this. And so, usually, I've had these conversations, but you're saying when you have these conversations to involve one or two elders with you in that? It, it could be a good idea to yeah. do that. Okay. and the reason for that I, I think is if you ever get into a situation where you might get into a he said she said yeah. dynamic that you at least got uh, another set of eyes and another set of ears on the conversation yeah okay. yeah just that would just be my hunch my, yeah. or my personal preference on it yeah, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. yes um, thank you very helpful sure mm-hmm. good um, question regarding the assessment tools like say for example well, what did you use, 360, rigs? I mean, because it varies. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of pros and cons to both, so I'm curious. What is the most use assessment tool that you have uh, uh, provided with the different uh, consultants? Yeah, I, I actually like the one The one that I use most is this one, and then I, there's another one that I, I recommend that is really more conversation than actual um, check-the-box tools, and so it's a... It's a uh, it's a life indicator called styles. Yes. And uh, the reason that I like it is because it identifies uh, positive behaviors that really create the culture that you're looking for and negative behaviors that are taking away from the culture that you're trying to live into. Mm-hmm. So it's very very similar. I've used DISC before, which is great. I have nothing against it. I've used MBTI. They're all, they're all good. They're all good. But I really like this one because this is one that the team co-discovers together it's totally customizable to the organization. And then I like HeartStyles because the organization can decide um, kind of where the line is mm-hmm. related to what's positive and what's negative for our, for our group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And If you want some information on HeartStyles, uh, my email is very easy. It's just greg at amchurch.net, greg at amchurch.net, and I can send you information on that. Or you can just go to heartstyles.com. Another question had was yeah. this is a little bit off, but on one of the on one of the slides you had um, looking at the different development pieces, one of those was kind of a learning, thinking mm-hmm. that kind of thing. What are some uh, what are some processes or rhythms that you put into place to just for your staff just to learn together? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. We we uh, try to take a book and really try to work through a book about one every three months. And uh, so we just we all just finished. Elders and staff are now working through Francis Chan's letters to the church, uh, which has been incredibly eye-opening for us. Um, we the book before that was Leading Teams, uh, which was a really a really good study for us as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's my top recommendation. We also do a study night every the third Wednesday of each month. Uh, we have a staff shepherds together and we take a particular topic, and so we kind of keep that rhythm going as well. Yeah. you yeah, have similar evaluation for elders? That's a great question. And what could be cool about this since it's co-discovery is you could use the exact same evaluation for the shepherds. One of the reasons that I asked the, the st- whoever the evaluator in this particular process to fill it out and then also ask the ministry staff person to fill it out is you can s- sit down together and compare. Because if the ministry staff person says, I'm a purple in every area, and the elder says, you're a yellow in <laughs> every Now you're like, okay, we really got a bigger problem than competencies, right? But you could just flip it, and so, and so what, what competencies are needed to be an elder? Mm-hmm. Right, and are you living into those characteristics well? And are you gonna give the staff permission to rate you on that? Thank you. Yeah. Anything else? I I, think, I really appreciate you, being, appreciate you all being here this afternoon. I, I know that in some ways, this, uh, you know, um, it, uh, uh, lots of things would have been a lot more fun. But uh, it is good, it's good work. If we do the hard work, the results can really, really be powerful. So if I can ever help you all in any way, please let me know. If you'd like to, me to send you a copy of the slide deck and the handouts, I'm happy to do that. I'll just need to get a business card from you. Or um, you can email me, greg at amchurch.net and I'll be happy to send those uh, to you. They are copyrighted, so please don't go out and start your own uh, performance assessment consulting uh, uh, role. Uh, anyway. Greg, G-R-E-G, at amchurch.net. Okay, great. Thank you. Absolutely. i will pray over you all. We'll be dismissed. God, we're so grateful for the day, uh, thankful for brothers and sisters who care deeply about um, our fellow uh, co-workers and shepherds and the evaluation process and the development process. Uh, Father, I know this can seem overwhelming in some ways, but uh, Lord, we know that when we work collaboratively, that great things can happen. So, Father, uh, give us a, a spirit uh, of collaboration and a desire uh, to not lose our ministers, um, our ministry staff people, uh, Lord, but to help them live under their fullest potential Uh, as ambassadors of Jesus. We love you, Lord, in your son's name. Amen.